You can sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred. Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle, it's a base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of The Middle Seats, the best seat in the house for all things movie and entertainment. I'm Andrew Auger, and I'm here to get this party started tonight. Let's meet the rest of the attendees of this fiesta. He's the kind of guy to take a six-minute solo while singing Happy Birthday. Mr. Nate Lungarini, belt it out, brother. Happy birthday to me! Truly, truly beautiful. <laughs> How are we all doing tonight? My name's Nate Lungarini, and it's going to be a great show. And he's the type of guy to blow out someone else's candles because of fire safety. Mr. Jake Hensler, a little too quick to the gun there, aren't you? Um, I wouldn't do it for fire safety more as I would do it to be an ass. But yeah, how how are we doing tonight? I was going to give you the benefit of the doubt. No, no, you call it as it is. That's fine. <laughs> We're on episode five. You don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. And it is episode five of the Middle Seats podcast. If you are just joining us for the first time, welcome. Our show is divided into three segments. We start the show with some lobby talk, some little banter between the guys where one member of the crew introduces a new topic. Then we move on to our news segment where we talk about all the biggest happenings around the world in movies and entertainment. And we move into our feature review of the biggest movie of the week. This week it is of the Blumhouse horror comedy, Happy Death Day. So guys, um, what's what's new? What What's going on, guys? We're headed into Halloween season. Do you guys know what you guys want to be for Halloween yet? As I ask you, like you guys are six years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm toying with a couple things. We... I might be looking at some superheroes. I might be looking at some some uh, popular TV series, but I'm gonna keep it a secret until we get closer to the holiday. It's never never too late to dress up. I'm sh- I'm still kind of thinking. I, the last two years, I liked to incorporate something mustache based, um, but I kind of shaved semi recently, so that's out of the question. So I, now I don't know what I want to do yet. Jake, I've seen you grow back a beard in two days. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say. I'm talking like thick. I'm talking thick mustache. I don't have that kind of time anymore. I still think you could grow it back. I think you could still do it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I could do Jake from State Farm again. I did that a couple years ago and that worked pretty well. Ah, oh, but that's boring. You're no good repeating now, costumes. Tell that to my mom. My mom's been my mom has been Madonna for 5 years. Madonna? Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> has anybody told her that Madonna is so 1982? Yeah, I don't think hey, so. I don't think she cares. <laughs> anyway, so with the Halloween season coming up, that transitions really nicely into our, this week's Lobby Talk. Let's all go to the lobby. You're in the lobby? What do you look like? I will blow up the block before you can make the lobby. So this week's Lobby Talk is m- movie, kind of like movie pet peeves, but more more based on the horror genre. So more... You know, how horror movies are written and things that we don't like when they're written that way. So I'm going to go ahead and, you know, there are some basic stereotypes like when people fall when they're being chased by a serial killer. Or if you're if you're hiding in a closet and your phone goes off or you sneeze like that. Everybody gets pissed off by that. We're trying to get a little more detailed here. So some horror movie pet peeves. Let's go to the horror master himself, Nate. Nate, what are some of your horror movie pet peeves when you watch them? <laughs> <laughs> the horror master. More like the the master of running away from horror movies that I don't want to watch because I'll pee my pants. Um, uh, there, there are a million and a half horror cliches. Uh, I think my biggest pet peeve is we live in the age of cell phones. And... Unfortunately, cell phones tend to kill a lot of intelligent action in horror movies. So most movies say, all right, for whatever reason, cell phones don't work. And they incorporate (laughs) that into the movie. And you know what? That's fine. But as long as they have a reason that a cell phone doesn't work, you're in a remote location or uh, someone cut the phone lines in your house or whatever it is, uh, you can't just say, oh, I'm not going to have my character pick up a phone in my movie. That's just dumb. Or, oh, 
I'm gonna have a character pick up my phone and my phone just magically doesn't work because the plot needs to happen. Come right. up with a reason, please. Like, like see, for me, it, I think it kind of depends. Like if if the the big bad cuts the phone lines, he's a smart big bad. Okay, but the whole I don't have service is getting too old for me. You gotta, you oh, gotta get up more I agree, and it is that. a cliche for more a reason. Original. Yeah, that that's Amen. kind of the, it's the root of the the genre that a lot of these movies take place in places where you can't use cell phones anyway. Like that's a cliche I'm getting sick of is the whole cabin in the woods stereotype like what people go out for fun just go out in the middle of the woods surrounded by nothing like i that's not something that i i guess personally that i understand like that's not how i would ever spend (laughs) a good time let alone if i was like a teenager and possibly subject to getting picked off one by one and ever since you know cabin in the woods by drew goddard that has been something that's been present in my mind every time i watch one of these movies and my the characters lose me a lot of the time before that, and the movie has to win me back after that. And for me, if you're gonna do that, you have to establish it. Like, like okay, you, we we're purposely trying to get away from mainstream society. We're doing a no phones weekend, and even then, it's a little unrealistic. But if you establish that, I can go with it. That's like a that's a bigger horror story in its own for a lot of today's millennials. <laughs> a weekend without a phone? Are you kidding? What are what are some of your other uh, horror movie pet peeves, Andrew? There's the classic stuff. There's the uh, the black guy dies first. Um, there's oh. the the car won't start when you need it to. Like you said, that, Jake, that's a good one. That's yeah, a good that's one. That's, that's one another that, one that just has not caught up to the 21st century. I've never had a car problem where it doesn't turn on, and I have a pretty old <laughs> car. <laughs> it's a staple of the genre. It's a staple of the genre as much as a lot of the big bad bad guys of of like famous horror movies like Jason, Freddy, Car Won't Start. It's all these things that make up the movie genre in general. I think what's most interesting about a horror movie is how even critics for horror movies lower our standards. Like a really good horror movie can have just passable characters and we'll be like, okay, it absolutely achieved what it tried to do. Um, (laughs) Because the writing in horror movies typically is, I know, and I know that's obviously not the focus, but the the writing in horror movies, especially as opposed to all the other genres, can be really weak, and the movie can still succeed. Yeah, yeah, and that there there is something to be said about that. Like as far as critics go, because you're right. I personally, me and Andrew disagree on this one, but I like Sinister as a horror movie. I think it's good, and I think it's effective. It's got like fifties, maybe low sixties meta score. Um, Insidious, same thing, mid sixties meta score. Um, and those are considered some good horror movies of this generation. Even Conjuring, the the first Conjuring is like 60s on Metascore, and that was really well-liked by audiences. See, Sinister, yeah. it's it's interesting you bring up that one as the one that we disagree on, because, I mean, we do, I do. I don't think it's as good as a lot of people think, but I do think actually the character work in that movie is pretty solid. Um, where we're talking about dozens and dozens of other movies that don't even give a shit. Like, it's unbelievable how low the standards are because a lot of these cliches that have passed through time and time again... Uh, there are cliches in other genres like the action genre that have died as the times have gone on. But the horror genre is – they really have this timelessness that like these old, old, old stereotypical storytelling elements do not die. They're a part of movies even today. Yeah, that that's good stuff. I think I think one of my big ones um, as far as you know pet peeves go is when – and this is for movies in general, but – in, in horror movies specifically, when people don't act like people. And that is that is just very poor writing. So for for me, for example, um, you know, if if a house is if a house is clearly, clearly haunted, like a character dies and you stay there again, I'm I'm now mad because that wouldn't absolutely not. I will sleep on the street before I sleep on that house again. Um and even the the remake Evil Dead, another one me and Andrew disagree on. When they get to that cabin. The reason they get to the cabin, I think, works really well. But when they get there, there are dozens of dead cats hanging from the cellar ceiling. No, you're not staying there. You are turning around immediately and you're leaving that house. You're not staying there. GTFO. Immediately. You're not. That is people not acting like people. And I hate that in horror movies. I hate that. I agree 100%, Jake. My my big not human action moment is when people don't call the cops immediately <laughs> right. when something's when something's about to happen like they know they're being stalked or they know somebody's after them and they've seen them kill 
Why have you not reported this to the cops? <laughs> right. Oh my God. There's a body. There's a body in my backyard. Let's see if he's in the shed. No, absolutely but, not. But guys, you're discounting one of my favorite cliches, which is they do call the cops and then the cops are the most useless people in the entire movie. Ugh. Also fair. Oh, it's so painful. <laughs> they either, it's so painful. They either don't believe them or if they do believe them, they have no helpful solutions. Or if they have helpful solutions, they consistently make the stupidest decisions possible. Um, a, a movie that recently came out uh, that neither of you saw that I saw and hated, uh, Friend Request, has possibly the stupidest cop characters I have ever seen. Like, they're they're two do- donuts away from being Ralph Wiggum's dad. <laughs> That's bottom of the barrel right there. Just thinking about other cliches, it's, it's just hard because there's the list goes on and on, you know? And I feel like horror writers today are just still picking from them and throwing them in their screenplay. Because, I mean, some of them do work. It's like everyone's starting with the same horror script. And it's not so much which cliches do we add in, it's which do we take out. Because everyone starts <laughs> with the base number of 110. <laughs> that's yeah. why you, you got you to gotta appreciate the good ones when they come around. Especially especially movies like, um, like I thought It, it Comes at Night was so good. I love absolutely it follows has become one of my absolute favorite horror movies. And even if you want to go scream, scream makes fun of all of these. You know, got to love scream for that. Um, you know, movies like that where they either poke fun like scream does or just don't use them. Find out smarter ways. Take their time and put in effort. You know, you got to you got to love and appreciate those and, you know, avoid the the jump scare heavy ones. Amen, hallelujah. But even like some of the best horror movies really utilize jump scares so is this a problem that will ever ever be solved or is it just a part of the genre part of the genre i think it's part of the genre but if like and it's okay at times but if that's the only scaring you're doing i i think you at least on some note have failed if that's the only scaring you're doing we kind of hint we kind of talked about this during the the it review where i said there's three different types of of scares that a horror movie can do there's the jump scare there's the panic scare and then there's the dread scare that's like long and drawn out and you'll see a lot of mix of all those types of scares in a horror movie but the jump scare is just so easy to do that it's lazy the most common right and it's 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 not even really based on horror per se because anybody can jump at anything at any moment you know what i mean it's just a it's just natural reactions like you didn't scare me you tested that i'm alive like <laughs> they're different things like Andrew, if I drove if I drove to your house right now, well, like while you were in the shower, hypothetically speaking, and you didn't know I was there, if you open the shower and I happen to be there, I'm gonna scare the, the shit out of you. Especially if it's there's a giant easy. drum clang as immediately as the curtain opens. Exactly. Yeah. It's the music that you. gets the jump. Boy, scare, Jake, really. Jake's trying to get the middle seats fan fiction written. What would happen if Andrew and Jake were in the shower at the same time? All right, I'm out. All right, <laughs> Fifty Shades Freed is in February, so let's let's wait. <laughs> well, we'll get there eventually, but I think this is a good time to wrap up a very productive lobby talk and get into one of the cliches of the Middle Seats show, the news. And this just in, a Newsbreak special report. This is news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. So... Our first news story tonight, running under the radar a little bit, the same night that the Star Wars The Last Jedi trailer dropped, um, we got some exciting news that Sylvester Stallone has been tapped to direct the sequel to the 2015 Rocky spinoff, Creed. Uh, He takes over the sequel from Ryan Coogler, who departed the film, um, to go direct Black Panther for Marvel, and we'll get a little bit more into Black Panther later. Uh, Stallone is no stranger to directing his baby franchise. He directed entries number two through four, and then the really successful sixth film, Rocky Balboa, back in 2006. We know a little bit about the plot. We know that it will feature some kind of storyline following Ivan Drago and Apollo Creed's son Adonis. Uh, Of course, Ivan Drago, played by Dolph Lundgren in the fourth film, he killed Apollo Creed in the ring, and Rocky had to avenge him in that really over-the-top, cheesy 1980s um, fourth film that a lot of people think is one of the more fun entries. Um, that's all we really know about the film. We know it's this film is a, filming is expected to start sometime next year. Um, now I know Creed was one of the big surprises for me in 2015. Jake Hensler, what do you think of Stallone taking over for Ryan Coogler? Uh, I'm a little I'm a little skeptical. I loved Creed um, when it came out. I only saw it the I only saw it the one time, but I thought it was great. Um, 
and Stallone was very good in it. He was, you know, acted very well. But the last, the last two movies he directed were were a Rambo movie and 2010 The Expendables. He's kind of on the older side. I don't know how I feel about him directing the 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 second one. I mean, it's better than I think it might be better than somebody random. I just don't know how I feel about him per se. Nate, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I think I'll be a little bit more optimistic in this scenario. Uh, I think uh, Sylvester Stallone understood. Uh, he obviously understands his franchise, um, but he also will understand the new tone that Creed was. Creed wasn't humorless, but it was a pretty serious tone that was kind of different than the movies that Sylvester Stallone has directed in the last couple of years that Jake just mentioned. Those are Expendables especially. is kind of more of an action comedy. I wouldn't put Creed in that. And I think uh, he's smart enough to understand that Creed 2 should probably follow a similar tone. So I'm optimistic. Um, he's he's a good guy and he was great acting. So I hope that he does a great job with this franchise. Yeah, as far as anything outside from Sylvester Stallone's career besides Rocky is gone, you can kind of isolate it from this franchise because he seems to really understand this character. This character is as much him as, you know, Schwarzenegger is to the Terminator or Harrison Ford is to Indiana Jones. They're just as a, a much of part of themselves as those other iconic franchises. He has been such an integral part of the success of the Rocky franchise that I think bringing him back into the mix and giving him a chance to grab at the helm is a really smart decision because I think going outside of the realm and picking out somebody else new as a director could have led to some disastrous results uh, as a lot of sequels happen to do. Rocky Balboa is one of the most underrated films in the franchise. It's a little bit more on the serious side than the campy two through five films. Um, it really is about an aging Rocky and uh, what this means as he entered the twilight of his career and he's looking for one last shot at the title. It's a really emotional and touching story and it really proved to me that Stallone understands where this character should be going and Creed doubled that up with one of the best performances of his career. Amen. So especially coming off the original Creed, I think he is a very, he still is a very strong choice for this. Yeah, I hope so. I think like visionary wise, you know, obviously the, the whole story came from him. He wrote Rocky from, you know, from the beginning. So obviously his, his visionary is probably a good idea. I'm just wondering, does he still have, he's, I mean, he's, he's not a young man, obviously. Does he still have the, the know-how to get through it, you know, to make it, to make it good, even though his vision, his vision might be good. Does he know how to get the movie there? You know, I th I think so. I'd say experience goes a long way. He's got it. It's true. And I don't think age plays as much of a factor as you're saying, um, because first of all, it's it's clear that he understands the character, and second of all, some of our best directors now are getting up there in age: Clint Eastwood, Martin Scorsese, uh, George Miller. That's true. They directed these really high energetic pieces. And I'm not, I'm not saying Stallone is as good as any of those directors, but I think especially in this area of expertise, um, you're right. He absolutely showed his age with the Expendables and those films. Those were kind of weak and lifeless and kind of going through the motions, but he really comes alive with the Rocky character specifically. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I think he's got the, the acting chops and the know-how to direct a solid movie. I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of the original director of Creed, Ryan Coogler, were you talking about what he moved on to? He moved on to bigger, better blockbusters, hopefully. Um, I don't know how much better you can get than Creed, but Black Panther will give it a shot. Here's the second trailer. Hola. Let's go, go, go. My son, it is your time. Show me my respect and bow down. Don't freeze. I never freeze. The revolution will not be televised. I waited my entire life for this. I'ma burn it all. Turn that for the The revolution will not be televised. That was a snippet of the second trailer for Black Panther. The first trailer for the film dropped in June to huge fanfare across the internet. This one gives us a much more vibrant understanding of the unique world of Wakanda. Set after the events of Captain America's Civil War, King T'Challa, played by Chadwick Boseman, he returns home to Wakanda. He found, finds himself challenged by factions within his country, and he has to team up with Everett K. Ross, played by Martin Freeman, 
and a bunch of other Wakandian secret forces to prevent a war throughout. It also stars Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, David Kalua, Forrest Whitaker, and Andy Serkis. Now guys, the first trailer came out. It got a really nice reaction back in June. What do we think of the second, more extended look? Nate, we'll start with you. Well, um, I think the Black Panther character was one of the cooler characters to come out of Avengers Civil War. So I'm really psyched that he got his own movie and I'm really excited to see what they do with this character. However, this trailer is getting me a little angry at Marvel just because it looks like we're going to have another superhero origin story where the main character has to fight a very similar villain, one who kind of mirrors him power-wise to an exact mirror image again. This happened in Iron Man. This happened in Hulk. Marvel has got to get over this formula because it is getting stale. I'm getting really annoyed, to be perfectly honest. So I'm very excited. The world that is portrayed in this trailer looks really, really cool and different. Uh, and the character itself was a very uh, radical shift from the kind of safe, quippy characters that we've seen from Marvel. Um, but I'm just hoping the plot is as different as the rest of this movie looks. Nate, I've, nail on the head, man. Absolutely. I love I love the way it looks. I think the setting looks great. Um, I loved Black Panther and Civil War. I thought he's one of the coolest additions to it. You know, Coogler is obviously a great director. Uh, he did Fruitvale Station and Creed, like we talked about. You know, they got some great actors for it. Um, you know, I think the from what the trailer shows, the action looks really good. But that was my big thing, too. As soon as they showed in the trailer um, Michael B. Jordan kind of taking on a Black Panther costume, I was like, you got to be kidding me. There's nothing else you can do. There's nothing else you can think of. Like, come on. I don't necessarily disagree with what you guys are saying, but I think I'm less... Um negative on that whole point than you guys are overall um because i am so engrossed on how beautiful this movie looks and how visually exciting it looks it looks unlike any superhero movie visually that we've ever seen and what a dynamite cast they have so yes i I see very similar story structures here but i'm also really really excited for this film based on the fact of the amount of talent that they've assembled around this it makes me feel like that it's going to elevate above those kind of story archetypes that we have seen a lot over and over again in these Marvel movies and are getting, frankly, a little bit tired. I agree with that. But I think this is a very unique property and one that people have been clamoring to see for a long time. I think they were going to put it, they're going to put it a little bit of extra ounce of effort into it than any kind of played out story might, you know, kind of hinder it. I really hope so. Because I think on on some level, I feel like Black Panther has always... I could be totally wrong about this, but I feel like comic book wise, he was always kind of like a B character, but Marvel has been great at bringing their B characters to life, like Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy. To my knowledge, those are those are B characters that got very good to great um, standalone movies. Ant-Man's actually probably an A character. He was one of the main Avengers, but he's I understand what you're saying. He's a very hard sell for audiences. So I like the, like uh, Doctor Strange yeah. um, is probably a better example, but I think on a much different note. So I, I had two points I wanted to make, but the more important point, um, Wonder Woman was huge with women for obvious reasons. It was very female empowering. It was very strong and it was a very well-made movie. I think this may be important in, in a similar sense. Think about it. Most, most superheroes are white. I know, I know a few, like I have a few friends who, who are black and they love Black Panther and they're looking forward to this so much. So I'm really hoping that they can get this right. Like DC actually got Wonder Woman right. Just, just hit it home. It's, it's gonna be the the Black Power yeah, movie of the year. I hope it's an empowering movie for a whole type of audience that hasn't seen themselves portrayed in a movie this way before. Absolutely. And it's certainly, I think it's gonna be a huge hit at the box office, just solely based on that. Um, one little minor gripe I have with the trailer that I wanted to see if you guys agreed with is: it just me, or does the CGI look like it needs a little bit more polish? <laughs> we saw it in the posters. I hope it doesn't show up in the movie. Um, yeah, I, I can see a little bit of that with the, the suits, um, when he's got his mask on, the suit works and it looks fluid, but when he's not all the way there, kind of like the Iron Man shot where the mask is lifted, that's where it kind of falls off a little bit for me. 
because it looks kind of pasted on. Am I getting the same vibes from anybody else? Oh, yeah. Um, that's, that's a good point that you brought up, especially how Robert Downey Jr. looked in some of the other movies where it just looks like his, he's a floating head. That's something that I'm really hoping is not going to be a problem here. I was just I actually haven't I haven't really thought about it from that aspect, but now that now that you mention it, I I do see what you're saying a uh, a little bit. I don't have anything really to, to contribute to be honest. I just haven't thought about it yet. <laughs> well, I think that's a good. <laughs> that's our that's, Jake. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's a very good pivot point, Jake. Uh, Black Panther arrives in theaters sometime in February. Uh, it looks like a very unique Marvel property. Speaking to another very unique looking Marvel property. How about the trailer for New Mutants coming from 20th Century Fox this week? I'm going to ask you a series of questions. What is this place? This is in the hospital. It's a haunted house. All of you are dangerous. That's why you're here. Do you know what mutants are? That was a snippet of the trailer of New Mutants, directed by Josh Boone, who directed The Fault in Our Stars of all movies. It stars a who's who's of young talent, Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones, Anya Taylor-Joy from The Witch and Split, Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things, and it's a horror film akin to the mixture of the works of John Hughes and Stephen King. It's the beginning of a planned trilogy from Fox. It's about five young mutants just discovering their abilities are held in a secret facility against their will, having to fight to escape and save themselves. Uh, it's this Fox is looking to deepen and expand the X-Men universe into darker corners following the success of Logan and Deadpool. And this certainly looks like uh, a way to do that with a Friday the 13th release date on April 13th. Guys, this was a trailer that I knew it was coming, but I was not expecting this tone. Uh, Jake, what did you think of the trailer for New Mutants? Um, I agree. I was totally thrown off. I did not expect a, you know, a kind of a creepy horror feel to it at all. Um, but my main, my main thing is that one, it seems original, which I'm always down for. And two, they got some very good casting for it. So I don't, I don't know how I feel yet entirely, but I do like a lot of the casting choices for starters. Nate, what do you think? Well, I will preface this by saying that I am so pumped that people are taking the superhero genre and twisting it into new ways. And a superhero horror movie is a pretty cool twist that I would love to see work. Um, that said, I'm, I'm not too sold on this one working well. I, I'll, I'll save my breath for when I actually see the movie. But right now it looks like it's trying to be like a cure for wellness type scenario where they're all trapped in this haunted uh, hospital kind of thing. But the the cliches that we were just talking about are really present here. And it doesn't look like a unique horror movie. It's a unique superhero movie, but it does not look anything special from a horror perspective. And seeing faces come out of the walls and all these other like weird horror cliches that are meant to scare now need to have superhero powers as their explanation. And that's kind of weird to me. The, the trailer certainly threw me off because, I mean, I've been hearing about the New Mutants movie for a while, but I was not expecting it to be a full-on horror movie per se, especially when you hire the director of Fault in Our Stars. Um, I mean, I, Fault in Our Stars is a very good movie, don't get me wrong, but as far as a horror movie goes, it's not really hitting and checking off any of those boxes that I would expect. Um, Jake, you nailed it when you said that the cast alone does a lot for getting me excited about this. These are really underrated and young actors that I think could grow really well into any roles that they're given. But Nate, I don't disagree with you either that while a very nice tease and an effective tease, I need to see more before I get really excited about it. Um, it's a trailer that threw me off guard based on the subversion of my expectations for what this movie could be, but it also needs to do more to differentiate itself from a bunch of other horror movies. Um, it's got the jump scares, it's got the visual imagery, it's got the really slow, creepy pop song. Um, it's 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 checking all those boxes as well, and I want to see more before I make a final judgment on it. I'm, I'm not skeptical. Color me intrigued, I think I would be the word that I would use to describe it. <laughs> 
And it's a good word. Get you a lot of points in Scrabble, Drew. How many words? <laughs> how many points is that in Scrabble? You would know. Uh, well, the Q's worth ten. So as long as you get that on a double or a triple word score, then you're golden boy. I'm a golden boy. Um, anybody have any other final thoughts on New Mutants, or? We'll see when it comes out. Yeah, I think Suicide Squad left me so scarred that I'm always skeptical of any trailer that doesn't look great. So thank you, Suicide Squad, for ruining movie trailers for me. <laughs> Speaking of teen-based horror, that'll do it for our news segment, and we'll move into our feature review of Happy Death Day. Look, I know this isn't going to make any sense. I've already lived through this day. Somebody's going to kill me tonight. Happy birthday. The way I see you, you have unlimited amount of lives, unlimited opportunities to solve your own murder. You should be dead. You relive the same day over and over again. Kind of start to see who you really are. Happy Death Day. That was part of its trailer. It was produced by Jason Blum as part of Blumhouse Productions and directed by Christopher Landon. Uh, he was best known for the Paranormal Activity, the Marked One spinoff, and Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. It's a mac- mixture mac- mash-up. Uh, let me try that again. It's a mixture mash-up of Groundhog Day meets Mean Girls, Easy A, 16 Candles, and a number of trashy college movies. Um, Jessica Roth plays Tree who has the most hippie and weird name I've heard in a long time. She's a self-centered sorority girl who was murdered on the night of her birthday, and throughout the through the fate of the universe, she keeps reliving that death every day over and over again. So that means she has infinite attempts to solve her own murder. The question is, who could it be? So a potentially interesting, clever premise with the Groundhog Day mashup that we've seen in films like Edge of Tomorrow and even earlier this year, Before I Fall. Uh, it's been used a bunch of times ever since... Harold Harold Ramis's uh, comedy classic came out. Nate Lungarini, what did you think of Happy Death Day? Yes, let's start with Nate. Well, let it be known, <laughs> let it be known that I am not a fan of this movie. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it seems like the the Groundhog Day genre is going to have to be a little cliche for a while. Because we now have seen a whole bunch of these repeat these day movies. And they all kind of go through the same cycle of the original character treats everyone like a jerk. Um, they're really obnoxious to other people. They're really selfish. They have to relive this day. And through reliving that day, they realize, hmm, maybe I'm not a good person. And then they slowly get better and better about being a actually sincere, nice guy. And then they figure out how to get or unstuck out of the loop. And we have now seen this play out in another movie. This time it's horror. Except I would not call this a horror movie. This has maybe three scary scenes. And the rest of it is a a teen flick. And I was not a fan. The characters were pretty unlikable. The, The whole murder mystery didn't make sense. And... Everyone everyone just kind of goes through a lot of motions that don't add up to a good story. Not a fan. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, harsh criticism by Nate Lungarini. Jake, what'd you think? I'd be a little more positive. I just I just saw it, and I, I agree with the teen flick part. This the People are going to be disappointed if they think they're getting into a horror movie because this it maybe has a couple of intense scenes at, at most. So for for stars, it's definitely not scary. It's it's pretty much not original either. But there is something charming about it, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe it's the teen flick aspect. I don't I don't quite know. Maybe it's the college atmosphere. I can't really put my finger on it. But for for a good chunk of it, I do think it's pretty charming. At charming, it's pretty charming for the most part. I think the lead girl, Jessica Roth, yeah, is her name. I think. Um, I thought she was pretty good overall. Um, the kid Carter was kind of up and down. Um, like the acting was not spectacular across the board, but generally it was actually a little better than I, I expected from being honest. I didn't love it by any means, but I thought it was okay. I think I'm going to be the Goldilocks of this review because uh, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle of you two. Um, the movie, I think I think the, the premise is legitimately clever. Um 
I mean, obviously, the Groundhog Day thing has been done over and over again. That's not the clever part. The clever part is applying that to murder and applying that to a kind of a fun horror comedy. Unfortunately, the execution for the movie is just, it's just average. It's not a bad movie, I think, but it's way less interesting and inventive than it could have been, and it's way less charming and meta and self-aware um, than it thinks it is. Like, even more than if we're talking about... Um, Groundhog Day or Mean Girls. This movie really wants to be Scream really badly. Just how over the top it is with its side characters and some of its dialogue. Some of my favorite over the top grown worthy stuff we're going to talk about in spoiler sections. Um, it's clearly meta. It clearly knows how ridiculous it is. And part of it, like you said, Jake, there is an inherent charm in that. I think Jessica Roth is a lot of fun in the main character uh, role. Uh, she is really compelling and charming in kind of an old actress heroine kind of way. But sometimes the over-exaggeration and how over-the-top it is distracts, tries to distract you from the fast fact that there's really not that much here. Like eventually, when we get into the meat of the movie, where she keeps solving, trying to solve her murder over and over again, and she starts to die over and over again. Like how it was in Edge of Tomorrow, where that was some of the best parts of the movie, killing Tom Cruise over and over again with some of the funniest and most inventive parts these, this just doesn't have the bite that it should. It's not as fun as it should, but it's, it's not as funny as it should. And it kind of left me flat for a lot of it because it eventually, like Nate said, we get into the more generic parts. Yeah, I think I think there's just no logic to this movie. Uh, like Groundhog Day and Edge of Tomorrow and even Before I Fall, they all have rules to the loop. And this movie really just doesn't have many rules. <laughs> it's just kind of go through the motions. Um, Jake did say that Jessica Roth was a good actress in this movie, and I will agree with that. I thought she was fine, but the dialogue was absolute garbage. There is, there is some pretty bad dialogue, and that is... Oh my god, what, I was cringing so hard. You want to talk uh, general pet peeves? Not just horror, just in general. I, I don't know who wrote this, but there are times when... Screenwriters do not know how to write preteen to teen to young adult. They just don't get it. And there is some cheesy ass dialogue in this movie. And I will absolutely give you that. But I think 90% of that is on purpose. Like, like so? I said, this. Yes, I do. I think because I if, don't get where you're getting this at all, but go ahead, Drew. Because, I'm very curious. Because what, what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is if we watch movies like the movies that it's trying to ape, like Easy A, like Scream, especially. That movie, those movies are chock full of this kind of dialogue. Um, these buzzwordy kind of, you know, like, ew, skank, those kind of, those kind of little lines and everything like that. <laughs> that that's not the, that's the best I could come up with on, yeah. <laughs> on the fly. <laughs> clearly, I'm not a, okay. I'm not the writer of Happy Death, Happy Death Day. But, yeah, clearly. <laughs> um, 90% of them, I think, are very much intentional and are trying to play to the film's exaggerated tone. Because like you guys very much uh, succinctly said, this is not a horror movie. This is a comedy first. And it's trying to be kind of like – you guys ever see that TV show Scream Queens? No. Can't say I have. It's, it's similar to Scream. It's, it's by the people that made American Horror Story and Glee. Um, but it's, it's the, going for that same kind of capturing that same kind of audience. Um, so I excused a lot of the bad dialogue. Now, that's not to say I excused all of it. Because there is a couple lines that I wrote down that I just could, I had to go, come on. Like, I really did grow and almost slumped down in my seats because of how over the top it was. There was um, but one, I, I literally felt my eyes roll in my head. There was, I, I forget the line, but mm -hmm. I literally went, you gotta be kidding. It'll be really interesting to see in spoiler section if it's the one I wrote down. Because yeah. there, there was <laughs> one I, I wrote down, there was one I wrote down where I literally had to whip out my phone. Like Indiana Jones <laughs> taking out his whip to, to write it down. Yeah, like I think one of my my last thoughts before we get into spoilers here is I've been pretty harsh on movies for having a disjointed tone. This movie had one of the worst tone shifts of anything that I've seen. Um, like the main character will be crying and um, explaining her situation to somebody else and then immediately fire back with, a funny quip about how the that character is perceiving them and being just a smart ass. Somebody who's going through trauma isn't going to be acting like that. <laughs> They're going to be going through trauma, not cracking jokes. 
Um, like, Drew, you say that the movie is intentionally exaggerated, but I just couldn't help but feel like this movie is taking itself way too seriously in the parts where um, it's trying to be a horror movie and taking itself way too comedic in the places where it's trying to be a comedy. I don't think it's trying to be both. I think it doesn't know what it wants to be. That that jarring tone um, would really have been helped to be more consistent if the movie, like all of these, end up doing towards the end. Why do all these movies have to become a self-help book? Why can't it just be a fun adventure where we see it over and over again? Like, we don't need, like, why do we always have to have this message about, oh, she has to change to be a better person? Like, no, she has a predicament going on right now. She can better herself later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just figure out why you're dying and fix it. <laughs> right. Um, the movie is, obvi- it's a Blumhouse production, but it's it's a very cheap-looking movie at points. Like, there's probably, there's gotta be, like, what, five sets in this thing? Yep. And it's just, it's it's very obvious that this was made for a quick buck. Um, so I was, I would say that I was a little bit surprised at, that I did not hate this movie, um, and found it decently charming in the first place at all. And that, that's kind of where my positivity comes from. I expected to dislike this movie and I, I'm not like over the moon about it, but I liked it more than I thought I would for sure. So Jake, why don't you start the ratings? Let me just run down the rating options really fast for anytime first time audience or people that just forgot. Um, we do our rating systems based on the seat scale. Um, so movies can get anything from a Royal throne to a plush recliner to a wooden seat to a damp lawn chair. Or if we're feeling really mean, like Nate might be today, a sleazy outhouse. Uh, I'll leave a little bit of suspense for Nate to give his rating. He'll go last, how about? Um, Jake, why don't you go first? Since, since okay. you, we'll go from ascending <laughs> to who seemed to like it the most all the way down to Nate. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, so um, I'm going to, I'm gonna before I give my rating, I'm going to explain a, a little bit more. I think a lot of this movie depends on how, how much you want to nitpick as well because I felt myself starting to nitpick the plot a lot and I was like, you know what, if I allow myself, because I was charmed and I was I was kind of enjoying myself for the most part. And I was like, if I, if I allow myself to nitpick, I'm going to get in my own head and dislike this movie more than I need to. So that being said, I I, 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 I totally get that there are definitely some plot points that don't make sense. It's not a great movie, but I'm going to go with a, a wooden chair. It's kind of, it's kind of down the middle. It's, it's fine. It's not bad. I liked it more than I thought I would, but it's. It's not like a good movie. It's like, like if there's a couple, it was PG thirteen, right? Yeah, yeah. It'll yes. it'll be a it'll be a. I could see this being a pretty good slumber party movie or a pretty good like, like throw on you know when you're looking for anything to watch. It's not a it's not a bad watch, um. But just just a wooden chair, no bag of popcorn. You definitely don't need to see this in theaters. It's just kind of something if you if you cash, you got nothing else to do. You don't feel like looking for a movie. It's fine. It's it's, it's a fine choice. But it's nothing that'll blow your socks off. Jake, your last point there um, segues really into nicely into um, I think what works best about this movie is that the target audience, the teenage girls and the teenage boys that are going to go see this are going to love it, I think. Um, the people going in for a fun kind of horror comedy are really going to love it um, because it, it has it, it has like one of those babies first intense horror movies feel. It's not too rough around the edges. Um, it's got a lot of like, ooh, semi-edgy comedy, um, and it's got like the jump scares that you're looking for. Like this is a movie that I would see at 10 years old and think maybe this is scary, but then had not seen anything else before that point. Um, <laughs> it's it's an entertaining, underwhelming overall if you've seen a lot of these movies like we have, and just kind of average horror comedy. Um, I'm going to give it a, on the higher side, of a damp lawn chair, like a comfortable, warm, kind of hot, sunny day. Yeah, not too uncomfortable, but still a damp lawn chair. Um, definitely not a bag of popcorn. There's no reason to see this in a theater. Uh, Jake, no. you put it, I think, as perfectly as possible when you said it was a slumber party movie. Um, catch it on Netflix. I think you'll enjoy it that way. Uh, fun, average, forgettable little horror uh, comedy, but Blumhouse can really do worse. And now Nate's going to take out his claws and rip this movie to shreds. <laughs> All right. Well, you're you're talking about how um, how this movie's going to be like somebody's first horror movie or something like that. And I'm going to be honest, Rose, roll my eyes there. This is not a smart movie. 
like you're giving it a lot more credit than I think it deserves, to be perfectly honest. The characters are completely unlikable. I don't think anybody watching this is going to root for anybody in this movie. Even the killer. The killer isn't fun to root for in this movie. He's wearing a freaking baby mask. It's not intimidating. It's just weird. They really want him to be the next ghost face. Really bad. Oh my, it was, yeah, it was, and it's just a, it's just a weird baby face. Like, (laughs) there is an actual scene in the movie where the main character just punches somebody wearing the baby face mask in the face. And I think that was the best smile I got in the movie because that's how I feel about this movie. Just want to punch in the face. (laughs) Wow. Now, now, this may surprise you. Um, I'm not going to be giving this one a sleazy outhouse. I am going to be giving it a damp lawn chair, but it is a very hard, wet, damp lawn chair for me. Um, I did not personally enjoy this movie. I can see how somebody else might get something out of it. Um, So it's not a completely god-awful film. It's at least competently made, but not competently written, and the the whole plot is is utter garbage, in my opinion. Um, I can't see past the the imperfections that Jake was talking about, so I didn't enjoy this movie, and that's why it's a sleazy out. Or sorry, it's a damp lawn chair for oh, me. Oh, he oh, wants you, to go there. Yeah, he really it. wants to go there. That was yeah, he it, wants to go. I'm gonna reserve. I'm gonna reserve a sleazy outhouse for something bad that makes me angry. This movie doesn't make me angry. It just made me cringe. Well, Nate was talking about the plot mechanics of Happy Death Day. We're going to get into the specifics of the plot of Happy Death Day in our spoiler section. If you have not seen the film, please tune out now. If you have seen Happy Death Day or just don't care about spoilers, you should. But if you don't, join us in our spoiler section. Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Excuse me, spoiler alert! Alright, I am jumping right in. Because I want to talk about the most aggravating part of this movie for me. And that is this girl's goddamn ringtone. This is somebody who went through the movie. This is not something I thought that was going to be talking about. Yeah, me neither. This is somebody who went through the entire movie um, hiding her birthday. Like, she didn't want people to know what her birthday was. Because of this whole subplot with the mom dying on her birthday kind of thing. And her ringtone is today is your birthday. So A, did you just change your ringtone to say it's your birthday on your birthday? Why would you do that if you hate your birthday? Okay, okay. I got I got two I got two points. The one one this is where I can I totally understand the the nitpicking. Like if you wanted to sit down and pick a pick apart this movie, you absolutely could. There are ton, there are tons of things you can do. Oh. I have a whole list, and I'll do my best to space it out. But But for me, I think this is supposed to be kind of her, like, like, I'm I'm a tough girl, I'm a punk, I'm too cool for you, I can do what I want, because that's who she is at the start of the movie. And the ringtone is more specifically something along the lines of, it's my birthday, I don't have to pick up the phone if I don't want to. Like, yeah, I'll do what I want, sweet Ah. not a phase. Like, so I kind of, the other ringtone was annoying, I think it semi fit her personality, though, though a little contradictory. It kind of fit her. See, I'm right in the, again. I'm right in the middle of you two because <laughs> Jake, that's a very good point. But Nate, I agree. It's very attention hoary. Like it's it, very like, much. It literally so. serves just as a conversation starter for other people to say, "Oh, is it your birthday today?" Like, the, why the <laughs> frick is that a ringtone? The the movie had an out too. Like they had a way to get around this specific ringtone. There is a legitimate song that a lot of people have as their ringtone um 50 cents in into club um which is about go shawty it's your birthday but you could just do the beginning part and it would get the point across it's such a recognizable musical cue it would get the same point across but it wouldn't be so directly that and they use that in the trailer so i don't know why they just didn't just do it here (laughs) all right Again, this is this is probably the most aggravating part of the movie for me, but it's also the most not important. I think the most important plot point to go over for sure is the twist that the roommate was the killer all along and had been somehow drugging the serial killer to be magically spawning all over Tarnation, killing this girl over and over again for no reason apparently. Yeah, I was really waiting for that to get solved because it there got to a point where when she's driving away from the hospital, 
and and the the baby face killer shows up, I was like, who? How? How? I don't. I don't know anybody who has that many tabs on a person. And she had the roommate's cupcake. Yeah. The mystery solved right there. Yeah. She died by cupcake there, but we took another 45 minutes of the movie for her to put the roommate together. <laughs> it made no sense. Yeah, um, I was like, how do you have this many tabs on this person? I just, I, I preferred the solution of it being the roommate. I mean, it's completely obvious and it's telegraphed from early yeah. on. Like yeah. if you don't if you don't get it in the first 20 25 minutes that it's her, you certainly get it when the baby face killer takes out a candle and sets the gasoline on fire. Like okay, that's clearly from the cupcake. Like he she they showed the cupcake. Yeah. They showed the cupcake when they lit the gasoline. Yeah, the mystery was solved there. It's a very predictable movie. However, and she was oh my god. However, yeah. <laughs> Go that solution is less annoying than the first solution they were trying to get me to buy, that it was just this random guy that kept finding her over and over again with no connection to her whatsoever. Um, so once mm-hmm. once we finally got to the fact that it was the roommate, I was like, okay, it's obvious, it's stupid, but at least it makes fucking sense as opposed to me supposed to believe that this guy breaks out of prison and just goes and finds her every single time over and over again. I was like, that cannot be the solution. Amen. Yeah, and that's that's what I meant earlier before spoilers. I'm like, you can 230%, I don't know why 230, but <laughs> 230% nitpick this movie and because deep down, if you really look at each scenario and each day she comes back, not a whole lot makes sense. No. They're, now, they're I want to throw a question like, out to you too. Okay. Is the time loop necessary in this movie at all? What does it contribute to the story? It's like the entire premise. Like her, her lives. Yeah. Otherwise she just dies and never figures it out. I think what pisses me off was like in Groundhog Day, it felt like there was a mystical force keeping Bill Murray's character there to grow. And that's what causes him to get out of the loop once he finishes that growth. That's true. We don't know why the loop is there to begin we with. We don't know how the loop started. That's true. Because everyone who was killing her ended up just being a normal human. Like, if the baby face killer was some sort of time-traveling demon there to make her learn a lesson, that makes sense. That's why she's in a time loop, because she's hunted by a demon or whatever it was. I actually assumed it had something to do with the cupcake. Like, I assumed this, the cupcake had something to do with the time loop, because I thought, like, like um, the candle always goes, goes out, so I'm like, maybe... Or, like, maybe she has to actually make a wish for this to go. I, I was trying to, my, my mom was trying to wonder. I'm like, what is it about this cupcake that like, is making this time? Is this, this a superhero origin story? No... Does this girl have the ability to reset time? Well, I, I kind of like that they didn't explain it, actually. There was part really? of me that I was like, I think it would have been, yeah, I don't think any so, any explanation they would have given me would have been good. So, no explanation yeah, at all in this scenario worked fine for me. Um, See, that's just poor plot crafting, in my opinion. That's inexcusable. What I don't, what I didn't appreciate, and I'm, and I'm shocked that it's taken you this long, Nate, to get to this, is that her decision. I'm still working down my list, okay. man. Okay, <laughs> but this, this is a big one because her decision making when she goes through these loops over and over again, she does, she's inconsistent because at some points she does some smart things, and then at other points she's mind blowingly stupid. Like she never once tries to rip off the mask. Ding, 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 ding. Not once. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that too. Yep. Like she gets smart enough to like get freaking night vision goggles to to try to spy on people. And she never once thinks, huh, I've actually kind of fought with this other guy before. There's a chance in all my infinite chances while I'm resetting the day here to just try to rip the mask off. Yeah. At the very least, pull the hood down. Mm-hmm. One, one positive I will give it, because obviously... They, they didn't have to do this, and I actually think it elevated the movie. Um, obviously, what are the stakes? The stakes is her life. She's trying to figure out who's killing her and and why. So there are already stakes established. But I think they upped them even higher when she goes to the hospital, and it turns out she has trauma that is weakening her and making her kind of deteriorate. I actually really thought that is a good way to set a timer on this and really, you know, like time is of the essence and it's urgent. You, you don't have infinite time. 
I really thought that was a good aspect of it. Yeah, I liked I liked that aspect, but the movie half asses that. Like they mention it twice. Oh my god, yeah. And it never is brought up again. Like she We never she, see the scars that the doctor mentions are on her body now. We never Well, now you just look at sense of how many nudity. lives she has left. <laughs> well, Nate, now you're just looking for gratuitous nudity. So. It's PG-13 oh, Nate. That. I'm kidding. <laughs> gratuitous nudity. She walks through the Law naked. Yeah, that did not have for to happen. no reason. There's no, yeah, and we never see any sort of consequence to that. Like, I, I was, did she? I was waiting die for, that day naked. Yeah, I was waiting for like, like that to change something. Like all her crazy actions, I assumed would change a time loop in some way, and it's just her dicking around. Yeah, <laughs> like Pretty nothing much. really happened. Yeah, I, they they do that whole thing, and it's only shoulders up anyway, like contributing to the PG thirteen of everything yeah and and to the freaking confident no less like how how yep. much worse can you get this that i was yeah i think that was the cringiest part of the movie for me yeah but that, that's that's also speaking to the target audience um and like kind of I trying guess. to tap into what they like uh especially some of these i think the target audience can get much better movies than this i i don't think they ask for much though yeah i agree Agreed, with that i think like as a, as a sophomore my mom dropped me off to see this with a bunch of my like high school friends as like fifteen, so I can't drive, but we all want to go out and do something one night. I would enjoy it. Are there any? Um, I guess I never had that experience because I never had any friends. Oh. <laughs> um. Are there are there any instances of bad dialogue that you guys wanted to bring up before I t- I talk about my coup de gras here that I have written down? I can't remember the one scene, but it was within the first half. I know that. Do before. you have the subway quote on there? No, that was one of them. That was one of the big ones. <laughs> all right, then I'll I'll say this one. One of the jokes, um, there was, like, a creeper. Because this girl has, like, five different men chasing after her. But there was a creeper character who was asking why she wasn't responding to his calls. And she said something along the lines of, I was miserable by our first date because we went to Subway. I mean, come on. It's not like you have a foot long. Yeah. Yeah, that one was bad. Ugh, that was that really was early on, bad. too. Ugh. That was, the, yeah, that was one of the big ones. The one, The one I wrote down that I was just like, whoa, 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 what are we doing here, um, is she's sitting with Carter, right? That's his name, Carter. Played pretty nicely yeah, yes. by Israel Broussard. I thought he, I actually found him pretty charming. A little generic yeah, and bland, fine. but he was fine. Um, mm-hmm. But she, he reacts some way, and she goes, relax, man. I'm not, it's not like I'm taking a shit on your mother's head. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he, this is this is a scene yeah. I was talking about where she was supposed to be crying her eyes out, explaining this horrible situation that she's in, and then she drops that line on the guy who's trying to help her. Yeah. Come the fuck on. Yeah, like most people would just say, you're looking at me like I have three heads, and she says, you're looking at me as if I... And I was like, who, what? Who it's just insulting. That? And Jake, Jake, your PTSD moment at the end, where they're talking about Groundhog Day, and she goes, who's Bill Murray? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I... I, I, I wish I took Erin to see this because I would have been like she would have given up she would have stood up and given it a standing ovation yeah it would have been Erin's top five movies of all time out of the <laughs> nine that she's seen um, but actually I was I actually was gonna say the the beginning the movie was a bit roller coastery for me but I generally was enjoying it overall and the last 10 minutes I don't know what it was but the last 10 minutes I was like just end it just pick something just go do something I don't, I don't know the, the last, like, 10, 15 minutes, like, the very ending did not work for me at all, and I don't know what it was about it. I just saw it a couple hours, like, a few hours ago. But the uh-huh. very ending for me, I was like, I was like, just just pick an ending and go with it. Yeah, we had two fake-out moments where it wasn't her last day anymore when we thought she had moved on to ne- the next day. Like, like, they wanted to end it on the roommate death, and then they wanted to end it on the not knowing who Bill Murray is with Groundhog, and then they wanted to end it on... Oh my god, I'm in time loop again. Just kidding. I'm messing with you. Ha 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 ha. We're gonna make out now. Like I was like, that's all fine, but you gotta pick one. Yeah, and th- like the lengths that he went to fuck with her like that, like changing his clothes into the exact outfit he had on yesterday. Like, dude, it's not even worth it. Like, it's not that funny. <laughs> y- your joke is oh, not on. that. You funny. remembering where he was, a- like and- being under the desk too. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew, I could totally see you doing that tomorrow. Okay, fair. <laughs> you're not you're not tip you're not that wrong um but the way that the whole thing wraps up with the roommate um just talking about like how the police just completely take talking about stupid police in a horror movie the police just completely take her word for it that okay oh yeah. i threw her out the window because she was trying to kill me like there were no witnesses or anything 
Like, do you, where's yeah, your proof? With that. Is the proof the cupcake? Is that it? It's like, all splattered now. You shoved it in her yeah, face. Yeah. yeah, I had a lot of problems with that. I'm like, you're you're both going to jail for life. Yeah. Well, Our movies dead. do you're that a lot. <laughs> she's dead. You're going to jail. We're going like to pick she, her up and put her in the cell with you. Yeah, she literally – she throws her out the window and then she's like, okay, who wants pancakes? And she's at the she's at the diner with her boyfriend. It's like, no, I, I think there's more questions to be asked. Yeah, yeah, I had an issue with that too. And the – oh, I don't know. I don't know who played her dad. I didn't – I don't know if he was just ugly or a bad actor or both, but I was not having it with him. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was more or less for you, Andrew. That was a lot. <laughs> the whole side quest was shooed in. Like, her having to be traumatized by her mom added nothing to either her plot or her character development. Like, she had that one nice moment where she reconnected with her dad. But her dad didn't do anything else with the story. Well, I think he that was, was just supposed a to nuisance. be a why is this day so significant to you. It was her birthday... And it was her dead mom's birthday, so. The really touching scene got erased immediately, too. Yes. Yep. Yes. And that was it. And the only the rest we see from the movie from the dad is, oh my god, are you okay? Yeah, please answer me. Yeah. Please answer. <laughs> he, doesn't, it, it's he, just, he doesn't try it's to just call bad. again after that, does he? <laughs> he calls that one time in the morning and then just never tries again. Uh, I, I can't remember. Not that important. Let's... We're going to move into final thoughts here, but can we can we just address the horrible, horrible acting of the professor, Mr. Uh, professor, I have an affair? Like, Ugh. that guy was bad. See, I thought the head sorority girl was worse. Yeah, she was pretty like bad, her. too. Oh, yeah, like she was just such a stereotype. Has Have you guys ever met somebody who acts even remotely like the girls in this movie? No. Uh, th- this is this is how you make fun of those girls. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. But like, how far do you go to the point where it's not just silly; it's ridiculous. Again, it's the idea; it's the over exaggeration thing, which is a point. Well, it's just a point we're not going to come together on. Clearly, yeah, I I can't stand it at all. Yeah, because I've met some pretty shallow people in my life, but these people are like comparing a puppy to Satan. It's just so wow. over the top. So over the top, and it just makes me annoyed and angry every second that they're on screen because they're just not even close to realistic. <laughs> well, Nate, why don't you take channel that anger and finish it into your, your final thoughts here on Happy Death Day? Yeah, well, my final thoughts is exactly that. This movie is a pretty crap movie. If you're in the mood to watch something pretty crappy, <laughs> you can watch a crap movie. Crap. Ringing endorsement from Nate Lungarini, <laughs> Jake Hensler. Um, I think it's I think it's okay. It's not something you have to go out and see in theaters. It's it's not even something you have to see in general. But if you, I think, if you catch it and you're you're in a kind of whatever turn your brain off mood, you'll be fine. You know, watch it with a buddy or watch it with a, a girlfriend or something. You know, it might be it might be a half decent date movie. I don't think it's it's okay. Oh God, right. no. <laughs> I mean, oh, if the girl God, like no. like if the girl doesn't have like if she's not a movie buff, she would be fine. It's a it's you shouldn't okay have to turn your brain off to enjoy a movie, man. I disagree. Especially not I think, like this. I, I think I think there are some movies that that is totally acceptable. Oh my God! I'd rather see an average movie. Whatever. We're about Sorry. to go down a huge <laughs> rabbit hole, and we will save yes, that discussion yes, for another time. I was time. just about to say next time on Lobby Talk. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll get to that on a future day. Um. I'm I'm somewhere in between Jake and Nate. It's a passable, acceptable horror comedy. Um, that it's harmless. I think it's harmless. It, I will for, probably forget in two weeks. Um, I enjoyed decently while I was watching. I felt like it was a missed opportunity at other points. Um, I think it has a possibly breakout performance for, for Jessica Roth. Uh, she had only ever been in a very, very small role in La La Land before this. I think she's going to get a lot more roles after this. Um, but other than that— I hope that, so. I really did enjoy it. Yeah. Other than that, I think you can rent it and be fine with it. Um, and I think it's time to blow out the candles on this episode of The Middle Seats. But before we go, Nate Lungarini, where can our fans give us some fifth birthday wishes since our fifth episode around the web? Alrighty. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode on The Middle Seats. If you're listening to us via YouTube, uh, please subscribe, like, comment. Anything you can do to help the channel get a little bit more visible is greatly appreciated otherwise you can get in touch with us at our gmail 
at themiddleseatshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you if you have any future suggestions for other topics in the show, as well as our Facebook at The Middle Seat Show. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. See you soon. Next week, we'll be either reviewing the Gerard Butler disaster movie Geostorm or the Michael no. Fassbender thriller The Snowman. Um, also check out our spinoff show, Freeze Frames, if you haven't yet, where we jump into our time machine and review a film from the past. This week, we'll be seeing Dead People as we talk about M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense, so be on the lookout for that. For Nate Lungarini and Jake Hensler here at The Middle Seats, I'm Andrew Oje. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.